Welcome to the 442nd consecutive week of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy that is really stoked that he bought this Al Adamson box set based on the fact that he really liked the cover. And joining me in my shared misery along with the rest of you is my co-host, Matt. You lie. You sit on the throne of lies. <laughs> but you, you're happy you bought it, you son of a bitch. That's the conversation I remember having. Did I say I was happy I bought it? I didn't mean to say it that way. Yeah, yeah you said it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm totally happy I bought this. Yeah, I'm And completely... then you say to share in my misery. Yeah, <laughs> me. I'm, I'm completely satisfied with my personal purchase of the Al Adamson box set. I am in I, no way, shape, or form regretting the purchase of the Al Adamson box set based upon the two movies that we jumped in on with his first two films, or at least the first two that are in the box set of the earliest releases anyway. Why do you lie to me? I'm not necessarily lying. What I'm doing is deluding myself. Okay, I can accept that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. No, I knew what I was getting into when I got this. Uh, what yeah. Al, well, Adam, Al Adamson is very much like... Herschel Gordon Lewis in that this was a business for him. These were all business transactions. And I'm there's going to be a couple of movies where I'm not exactly sure how we're going to cover them because there's multiple versions and he just recut the film and then would re-release it under another title. And Okay, yeah, yeah because you, you had two for my movie in my folder. I noticed that after I'd already downloaded and watched the movie. I was like, oh, but it had a different name. So, okay. Yeah, so what that I just ended up, what I, what I ended up doing was like, I put both of them together if we felt like doing a compare and contrasting kind of thing um, gotcha. on what the differences are. But essentially, if, if we're doing a compare and contrast, we'll just go by like, the the biggest release whatever that name was and then if it ends up being a recut that we have listed later on and we are going to watch it um and i have it scheduled that way with the the name where we're going to be watching the recut with the new title um that's why i'm saying we're going to probably drop some of these things because some of it is just a recut or a reissued version or just extra footage added or something like that where he retitled things and that's part of being this kind of film fanatic where you like this kind of low budget cd cinema is sometimes you're the victim of the exploitation in that they tricked you just by changing just just enough stuff to get you back to the theater to see the same thing that you just saw at the drive-in only under a yeah, different title of course <laughs> just another way to try to remove money from you right right that's literally all this is and al adamson 100 is like a carny when it comes to that sort of shit like he shamelessly did stuff that i don't even think herschel gordon lewis pulled and herschel gordon lewis would recut stuff and then re-release it or buy a unfinished film and shoot just enough stuff to finish it and then release it just to make some more money and that's just stuff that people pull totally fine with that you know sometimes you swindle me and sometimes you actually make a movie out of that junk that actually is quite entertaining that does happen with some of these films yeah al adamson on the other hand from what i've seen of all of his stuff and we've covered some of his other things too it was literally all about the money all the time and not, not to say that he doesn't get some good shots not to say that he doesn't have some production quality that actually is really good and that we can allot but he also would cut as many corners as possible in the service of making more of these by funding them with the money he makes off of the previous ones so you kind of have to be prepared for that these are not necessarily going to be good films they will not be high quality they will not be high budget and in some cases some of the acting will fall somewhere south of a russ meyer film yeah it does I got you. yeah but they are infinitely interesting in that this maverick weird carny freak that is al adamson is kind of one of us and he was producing this stuff because of the love of film and he was swindling everybody just so he could keep making more stuff because of the love of film it's like this weird duality with the guy where mm -hmm. you're it's like going to a carnival you know you're getting ripped off but you're having a shit ton of fun while you're doing it so being a rube getting separated from your money isn't so bad that's what watching al adamson is like so we're a bunch of marks 
That's yeah. nice. Yeah. If you are a fan of Al Adamson's work, you are 100% a mark for his fucking swindle yeah. and his carnival. Yeah, you're a mark. That's nice. Yeah. Good for us, everyone. We're all giant pieces of shit. <laughs> it's a great frame of reference, especially for the films that we're going to be talking about these two weeks. Uh, Al Adamson also has really dire, really downbeat endings, and everything is sort of just kind of gritty and grimy and greasy. And you know what? I'm kind of in the mood for this stuff. I'm, I'm not going to deny yeah. that I enjoy you know watching what, both of the films. Not to, Yeah. I enjoyed watching them. I'm going to say my ending didn't seem too gritty. I mean, it, 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 not to ruin it for next week's episode, but my ending seemed, you know, it was gritty and horrible for the bad people in the movie, but everyone else seemed to, you know, be all right. Yeah. Well, mine didn't. So why don't we just talk about mine and we'll kind of get there when we get there. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's get to yours because yours did. Yeah. Yeah. Yours was kind of the shits this for, is... for the for people. <laughs> OK, so this is 1960s halfway to hell. Uh, this is purportedly produced by Al Adamson, but directed by somebody else. Uh, it's definitely cut up to shit. It's kind of a falling apart print and what we got to see of it. And then you'll hear it in the audio for my 13 clips that I did in one hour's worth of material. Yes. Every bit of dialogue practically is clipped at a certain point. I get bored with clipping dialogue and I just write the end results of the dialogue instead of like actually taking note of what it is that they're saying so the notes are going to get probably even more confusing but let's just get into the fucking film and not fuck around okay yeah right let's do it all right so for the pirate radio edit this week i picked pretty much country music or cowboy music or something having to do with cowboying or something along those lines because we're dealing with a western more or less up first yeah. is Doug Poindexter and the Starlight Wranglers with My Kind of Carrying On right after this. This'll keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me Cutting a New Show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room.
so sure that the ladies like a lot of the men's carrying on in this film. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. Uh, the storyline nope. is a little little out there, but it is what it is. Yeah, they don't they don't seem to really be enjoying the carrying on over here. <laughs> yeah, and unless you're going to be one of those boys will be boys type excusers, which we are not. Um, yeah, that's we are not a problem. So boys will not just be boys. <laughs> All right, well, so All right. let's get talking. assholes will be assholes. Rapists are rapists. Yes, that's right. That's right. There All you right. go. So the first step in the series of Al Adamson's produced films is a western known as Halfway to Hell. It is an hour and change and begins with a photo of the text on screen because I didn't want to write it. So in the photo, it reads, In a world of conflict, a girl who believes in constituted authority and her betrothed, a rebel leader seeking to stamp out tyranny, she wants to flee from the outlaw lover. He resorts to force to bend her will. This is their story. Who is right? Who is wrong? Can a broken love give the answer? Okay, no. so kidnapping <laughs> and uh, forced marriage is somehow considered right if you love the person? Is that what this film is trying to propose? Yeah, and it's, it, no, broken love is, cannot heal anything uh, because it's broken. And, uh, <laughs> and it's mend, not love when it's kidnapping. You can mend broken love and eventually love. You can mend people, it, but, yeah. but broken love can't mend other things. That's just not how it works. <laughs> then it says Mexico 1902, I think, and then there's finally a fucking voiceover in our very first clip. <laughs> the year is 1902. My country, Mexico, began to shake off her shackles of oppression. We began to rise up in revolt and to follow courageous leaders who were brave enough to resist Diaz, the self-styled dictator. I, Maria San Carlos, was betrothed to one such patriarch. A Mendoza Escobar, who was determined to liberate the Mexicanos, my people, from the chains of slavery and give back to them that which had been taken away. What's wrong now? Horse picked up a stone in his foot, miss. All trouble. Very bad. Perhaps even now Escobar knows about me. He will be angry. You're honestly afraid of him, aren't you? Oh, Joanne, you don't know him. Only running away from myself. Now I, I even make my friends run with him. Yet it is not good. Escobar does not have my conscience to We're over the border now. Once across the ferry, we'll be home, safe and sound. Them armories aren't guarding or sleeping. Now, this heat ain't gonna stop a bullet from blasting our backs. We're out of danger now. Man, you got a short memory. He could be trailing us right now. Hurry. Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Ah. A few roads lead from Mexico into the United States, so it was easy for Mr. Wesson and these men who were infesting our country because they were unwanted in their own to set up this murderous ambush. Now what? There's a stranger up ahead, miss. Okay, ma'am, it's just a cowboy or someone looking for a ride. Don't you know who he is? It's a cowboy. A stranger comes up with a saddle on his back, armed to the teeth, and a story tale about his horse, and you believe him? Well, I don't. Here he comes. Howdy, ma'am. Mighty glad to see you folks come along. Hope somebody would. Of course, I didn't expect anyone half so pretty. Who are you? Name's Lot, ma'am. Jeff Lot. I'm sorry, we don't have any... But desolate country. Can't we make room? All right, what's we'll home? Right. Hope it won't be crowded. We won't ride back here. One back? Yeah! We watch footage of old cowboys and some ladies in a wagon at the end of the clip discussing issues with the horse and cart. That's about seven to ten minutes of screen time condensed down to two. So this is going to be a very short show, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Their pursuers are also, well, in pursuit, essentially. And yeah. we, are, we are told the ambush that happens is coming just before it does. The cowhand guy hitches a ride with the ladies in the cart, as we heard, and we are off through this barren wasteland that would make an amazing solar farm. That would. It would be nice. It might even help the environment. But, uh, yeah, we can't have even nice things like 
that. That team is then ambushed in what has to be the slowest motion and most bloodless shootout I have ever seen in a Western, even in a black and white one. Something tells me we are in for a lot of bloodless shootouts if the two first two movies are any indication. One lackey pockets the loot and the ladies are told the bandit dudes are friends of Escobar. The dude who was robbed is still alive and comes to to find that he has been robbed and abandoned. So he checks the cart and looks through the remaining gear and saddles up the one horse of plot convenience left behind for no reason other than to pursue the ladies and the captors. Speaking of that, there's more dialogue and our next clip. <laughs> Get back on your horse. Lee, we've traveled all night. Just a few minutes then. Had Escobar thought to supply me with side saddles or even boots, it would have been so much better. He was in such a hurry to get back what belongs to him, it must have slipped his mind. How many times must I tell you we are not married? I am not his wife. Hey, boy, we got a hornada to cross. Pedrada jornada. One of Mr. Weston's little shortcut. We must cross miles of desert without a stop. If we are lucky, there will be cool water waiting. You repay my father well. It could not be helped. I suppose not. I suppose it is what one must expect when one becomes a rebel dog. Hold your tongue. Or you will shoot me too, perhaps? I shoot no one. No? One must sacrifice many things for a cause. Then one makes certain that the cause worth is sacrifice. That's a bad thing for the future wife of our leader to say. The truth can come from even such a one. The dreaded Hornada, feared by all had crossed mile after mile of death wasteland, with his valleys of death curling, cracked, fake mud, a hell conceived by the devil himself. Hopes of water greeted by the dryness of dust and sand. Bone dry. What's gonna happen to us now? No water. Nature was kind. Cool, clear water spread its arms to both the good and the bad of us. The river had a twofold meaning. This ribbon of water, it was a dividing line between the Hornada and my own country. For better or worse, we would soon be at the end of our journey. We watched them all take long drinks from the water and get dysentery while doing it. I mean, who doesn't like a good side of dysentery while you're quenching your thirst? Uh, Lord knows I do. Basically, anyone on the Oregon Trail and trying to beat that fucking computer game does not like dysentery. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, that was the bane of my uh, childhood existence. And then one of the ladies begins bathing in the river while the other is dragged into the grass and monitored. The bathing woman is spied on by one of the bandits who creeps while her friend frets over her. And we see no real nudity while she bathes, but it's still pretty risky for 1960. I mean, they got a little sleazy on this one. Right, that was a, that was a little risque, wasn't it? Yep. The creeper turns rapist while no one else is there to stop him. And finally, the others hear the woman scream as she fights her way free back to the river and then one of the bandits the one who seems like a most noble of the three interferes with the attempted rape using the rifle as a threat and that leads to our third clip let it go blackie what's the matter boy she wasn't yarn <laughs> he's right there's no need for our merchandise to get damaged maria get her something dry to put on there is not it is all back at the carriage then get it from diego it's on the back of his horse well go tell them proud sentinel i was only going for a ride it is beautiful here for you maybe your life not in danger nor is you i came alone to protect you for the slaughter you imagine things to yourself no other men will protect you take care of you as escobar well no other but i do not love him love who speaks of love you speak as though marriage were all love it is maybe for the gringo but most marriage is 
responsibility. Love only an emotion. And doubt the emotion? I only know they are duties. Duties? Which silly little schoolboy? When will you ever grow up? Maria, I have emotion. Desires, but there are certain things that are right. And what is right? Murder, maybe pillaging? Being a lawyer. Instead, you trail in the blood of these, these great men like a puppy dog. I had my prison, man. Maybe they were only dreams. But when the rebellion began, I was sure it was the only solution. But after each fight, I wake up feeling funny. As though I left something behind, as you'll not have. It is strange how men can live, even die together, and yet not know one another as Wunga. Hey, break it up, you two. We're moving out. They all ride off together, and that is the end of the first 20 minutes or the first third of the film. That, uh, hey, break it up, you two, we're heading out. I swear, when I first saw it, I was like, is this a Mystery Science Series 2000 thing? Because it sounded like something they would do. Like, oh, yeah, where they interrupted it right there. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I'm like, because that did not sound like that belonged, that voice or any part of that belonged in this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Al Adamson's stuff ended up in Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm pretty positive. I don't know which one yeah. specifically, I mean, but I'm... we're going to eventually probably run into it if we do and we'll, we'll both recognize it when we're covering it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely. But I just thought the voice there just did not match up with the actual area. No, you're absolutely right there. Hey, a quick question for you. I know you're a history fanatic. What do you know about the revolution in Mexico that involved like Chapo and uh, this particular uh, other guy who's supposed to be uh, Escobar is his last name. Like it's not the Dick. Escobar that we ever know. But we're, we I know, know Dick. Okay. I know Dick about I, I it's 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 not a part of the region or history that I've studied in my life. So uh I'm mainly Baltic in American history. So Okay. I just uh, was curious. And, and unfortunately only certain sections. I try to be as well versed in kind of the what you would consider the old West uh pre post Civil War uh Western American society and how Mexico fit into that. Unfortunately, with Mexico's actual history and their political history, I am clueless. Okay. Well, I know enough just from some various Westerns because it does get fre- featured pretty prominently in some of the later Westerns, like when it starts rolling into the 1900s kind of thing and like the old How the West Was Lost kind of films. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of stuff starts to play in with the, the revolutionaries and things like that. And it's it's always been sort of a thing that's been in the periphery. But this is interesting in that it's almost as if he wants to put them up as heroes for doing what they did and he's trying to make Escobar and Chapo and all these guys like the actual heroes of the film but like he can't because that would probably be considered un-American so he finds a way around it by having you know the story be like this sort of love story thing between you know Escobar and this lady that they want to try and do but the love story is obviously super forced and everything and I didn't know how much of this had anything to do with like actual history or if this is all just them shooting from the hip and writing off a story that's just kind of you know yeah. there was a yeah, revolution no, in this time frame but I don't know enough about it either to really know what the fuck is going on and how that has to do with this film no you're I mean that's a that's a fucking good question uh, uh, yeah I wish I knew <laughs> but it does great it f- now now it's another thing to me to get hyper focused on instead of everything else in my life thanks a lot Gort. <laughs> oh, you're welcome I know you're a history buff and I knew that this would have you go down a rabbit hole to answer the question for me so I don't have to do it yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> but i doesn't it feel like that like it's a burning passion film for like trying to hold up these revolutionaries as something more so than it's just a, a typical western that just happens to take place at this time with the revolutionary war that's happening and as a backdrop you know what i'm saying it's yeah like, no i i agree with you yeah i, yeah. I kind of i didn't see that before but you're saying it now yeah definitely feels like that yeah it's very much a pro-revolutionary like mexican revolution propaganda film is what it feels like yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. That's just, I just want to frame it that way before we get really deep into this group, because like it, it gets weird, like real fast and it just, it's just going to get strange. Also, uh, I don't think that the accents that are all the actors, the way that they're speaking, I don't think that those are people forcing it to sound like they are actually Mexicans. Um, yeah, no, it, it sounds like they probably, yeah. whoever does the voice work, if it's not the actors themselves, uh, would probably have had, had that kind of stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, at least I assume as much anyway, because he, <laughs> Obviously. That's a weird way to say they might actually have been of Mexican descent. They might have had that stuff going on. <laughs> I know what you were talking about. Everybody yeah, knew what I, you meant. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at words, yeah. people. Let's let's I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast at all for all these years, you realize Matt, no good with words. And I, I think also it would probably just be cheaper for him to hire actors of that descent as well as also because they would probably be looking for more parts in the sixties. It would be very difficult for them to find roles in the sixties. That's so, true. So they probably are like, hey, you know, yeah. he can probably find them. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how he gets them to do the work that he needs from them and it actually adds a layer of authenticity to the film and that's what gives it that sort of propaganda-ish feel that I was talking about like it feels really passionate like this is something that a lot of these people really care about in the film and like the actors are really going for it they're not doing a great job but they're no. not for the most part they are really going for it in this film they, I mean they're trying how yeah. about that while yeah. they're not doing a great job they're at least fucking trying yeah the enthusiasm and the love of filmmaking is there and that's infectious and that's where the carny trick works on you that yeah exactly yeah yeah this is where it gets you <laughs> this is how they get you the accomplice just wins one of the the games at the carney that you, no one can ever win and you get pulled in by that <laughs> all right so let's move on to the second third of the film which starts with the group having someone ride up to them with a report and well fuck it dialogue our next clip where's blackie he had to shoot the horse and the heavy saddle what did he do with it he carries it Oh, he carries it, see? <laughs> Diego, keep your eyes open while we're gone. No siestas. Savvy? Where are you going, Mr. West? What do you think? Shall we all ride to Escobar and then just stand there while he takes his little Chiquita from us? Besides, we bring an extra prize. It should be worth an additional peso or two. Right, Slade? Right. Senor Slade, you go too? Just as protection of all those pesos, Mr. West shouldn't travel alone. Bring back something to drink! I am afraid. Don't worry, Maria. Eagle-eyed viewers will have spotted our main man, Al Adamson, that we're talking about playing the role of Slade. Is it because he wants to be an actor or is it because he doesn't have to pay himself to play this character. Little column A, little column B. Yeah, I would say probably both. <laughs> two, two things can be true. <laughs> After this, we see the dude they were talking about who had to shoot his horse, and it's also the guy who snagged the money pouches for himself without sharing. And he's acting all sorts of sus and being a dead giveaway to what he did, holding the coins and looking all shifty in his shirt and shit. It's just, it's obvious. <laughs> yeah. He wanders into the camp. He is noticed being shifty, and that leads to our fifth clip. Up here, Rocky. You going for a trip, maybe? Suppose I am. You don't take no trip. You already killed one good horse. Got in the shirt, you stinking pig. I wouldn't do that. Over there. On move. Drop guns. Come on, move. Okay, drop it. Drop it. I'll cut her throat. 
All right, so that survivor cowboy guy that hitched a ride shoots that blackie dude during the clip when he tries for a knife toss. And when one of the other bandits threatens the kidnapping victim, he is stabbed in the back by the main love interest bandit guy that suddenly fell in love with a woman that he's kidnapped. I guess. I don't know. And the, <laughs> the survivor dude just collects his loot and then he tries to fucking leave. The lady's right there as he starts to walk off. That leads to our sixth clip. Going someplace? Yep. Where do you think you're going? Why with you? Oh, no. But you followed us here, didn't you? I got what I... But, senor, we have come a long, hard way. Our horses, they are not very good, and our I food is... I man, but I'm no better off myself. What do you think I could... Once we did you a favor, you could lead us out of here. Oh, he knows the country as well as I do. Escalada's over there. He probably knows how far better than me. Conception River's off that way someplace, I guess. But we seek to leave Mexico. Don't you understand? He doesn't understand any, anything but his gold. That's right. You better stay away from me. Because I'm worse even than that. I didn't even dig for my gold. Just placid mine. I just sucked my haunches in the cool water and waited my pan out while the gold came trickling down to me. No real strikes, just trick. Just enough to keep you a little starved. Wait, week by week, month by month, bide in time while I bide it. And I ain't throwing it all away. Not by a long shot. So like I said, I got what I came for. Never mind, Maria. We'll get out somehow. We don't need him. He's not worth going back with. All right, if keep up, I'll take you to the nearest town. That's bigger. Buenos dias, amigos. Como están? Buscan Aligan Escobar. Take us to see him. We have words with him. You are the gringos. Yes. But where's the senorita? We have to talk to him about that. Say, Slade, what do we do with these darned hombres? Easy. He can understand. Allow me to introduce myself. I am General Don Miguel Jose Salvador del Antonio La Vista Martinez. Senor, you may call me El Chato for short. We go. The Presidente desperately hung on to his almost permanent rule. Everywhere his power was felt. Leaders of the revolution, like Escobar, were searched out and ruthlessly killed. This begins a riding horses and camping out montage with the group with Escobar as they make it into the camp with their friends and loved ones as the voiceover tells us they are forced to live like animals here. The leader of the bandits arrives at the camp to meet with Escobar and the pair have a discussion and our seventh clip. Senor Hueson. The prize is safe, senor. There were difficulties, yes, many of them. It was a hard trip, but the merchandise is safe. Perhaps a little dusty and saddle-worn. If you refer to the young lady, Senor Wessel, please refer to her by name. Otherwise, you will confuse us both. You should say ladies. An American. A young American. We brought her with us as a fitting companion to the Senorita. But naturally, it was twice as hard with two ladies. So, we left the ladies behind to rest and came ahead to make new terms. This, of course, is American business procedure. You see the more risk involved. Senor Wesson look weary to you, El Chato. Uh, <laughs> si, senor. You even look weary to El Chato, senor Wesson. As you say, you have had a hard trip. I see how you rattle on and on like an old woman. I fear that perhaps your mind is groggy. El Chato, go back with senor Wesson and help him find his way. Oh, see that he does not get lost and bring back the senoritas. There is no need for more bargaining, senor. You have already made a good one. These ladies must be dangerous, killing people like these. I wonder how this happened. You sure botched this, Wesson. Me? Why, I didn't do anything. That's what I mean. Let's get going. They can't get far. All I want is to get to the nearest town. I told you before, the nearest white man's town is 60 miles. And we ain't ever gonna make it unless we keep control of ourselves. Hey, gringos. Manos arriba. Where are you? I am General Don Miguel Jose. Oh, you are only El Chato the flat nose. 
don't bother to give us any of your fancy rebel airs. If you have a job to do, do it. So at least we may get out of this horrible sun. Get out of your horses. We are going to see Escobar. God damn, no wonder everybody keeps falling in love with this main character of Maria. She's a fucking spitfire. Yes, man. She's fucking on it, man. She'll take you down. And they cut to the group riding back to see Escobar again, and that is the end of the first half of the movie. Why the extra break in halves as after first planning to break it into thirds? Padding. Padding. Gotta, gotta pad it. I mean, if you don't pad it, what the fuck? It also kind of feels like a nice point of halfway where there's no return where they actually are going to go see Escobar bar and things are definitely escalating at this point and the first third is to lead you to this halfway mark which is your tipping point and we're here this is the tipping point they're going to be led to this escobar guy now there's there's nothing they can do about it that's just that's just how life is (laughs) (laughs) that's just what they're doing i don't know how to add to that (laughs) yeah i mean there's not really a lot to keep adding but i do have to say that the way that maria reacts at the very end of the clip again i have to reiterate i can see what it is that this one bandit that has a heart of gold who actually is one of Escobar's guys that's going along with these bandits to make sure that the women remain unharmed. Like, I can yeah. see why he cares about her and he so quickly falls head over heels in love with her. Because, like, anybody that's, like, that defiant and you're, like, you know, admiring her already because you admire the man that you work for is supposed to be this amazing revolutionary. <laughs> like, I get why he's like this. It makes sense why he would kind of get starstruck by her like he is. It makes sense. Oh, yeah, it does. I agree. All right, so the second half and the middle third of the film, and if anybody can't follow what it is that I'm saying, let me just re- reiterate we've hit the tipping point which is the halfway point but we're still in the second third of the film so we're going to finish the rest of the second third of the film now that in no way was padding to make the episode longer for no reason at all i was about to say well i, I i'm going to tell you real quick right now i had no idea what the fuck you just said to me it was it was words i know it was words and they they were le- legit words but they were placed in an order in which confused me <laughs> we are halfway through the film yes. but we aren't complete through the middle third of the film so we are one half through but we are not two-thirds through just yet when will then be now soon we have another 15 percent excellent So the middle third of the film continues with this group riding back to Escobar. His man gives him the gold bags and then sends the two heads of the kidnapping bandits off before Escobar talks to Maria. And that is our eighth clip. Better leave while you can. Escobar is a patient man. If I was you, I'd not trust his patience too much. Maria, I have missed you three months. Can't be forever. Escobar, why can you not leave things be? So, this is the senorita. Senor. Senor, El Chato tells me that you have done us a great service. El Platino exaggerates a lot. See, still it will be hard to repay you. You have done me a service. Look, you got the girls. All I want to do is get out of here. Seguro, sure. I want to make some tracks before camping tonight. Oh, senor, you could not leave this camp in daylight without someone seeing. <laughs> Besides... You look weary. Hey, little rescat, do you no harm? Que no, Chato. Stay here, hombre. After this, the cowboy survivor dude is ordered to sit down on a rock, and then Maria goes out wandering around the camp and holds a fucking baby for no good reason other than to pad out the film. There is voiceover and shit and dialogue, and well, fuck it, I don't want to talk anymore. That's our next clip. We must talk. Birth and death respects no time nor place. Escobar's hood camp was no exception. We must speak in English. I do not want the men to understand. Men, gorillas is what they are. 
thieving dogs of the hillside pooping down like vultures on innocent women and children. You mean to say the Yasha's armed men are actually women and children? They are the rightful arm, the governed. When you fight them, you fight your own people. They are the governed, but I claim none of them. My people deserve something better, and they shall have it. Escobar, in the days of Macmillan, my father fought dry the foreigners out. There was a reason to rebuild then. There was a plan. Every honorable Mexicano was part of that plan. Today, that plan has come true. Not perfectly, perhaps perfection takes time. Still, we are a democracy, and whatever our fault, they are at least our own. You have come such a long way down. These men are not the army you led at Tahikalo. These men are bandidos, ruffians. One man cannot be all things, even you. This is not the way. And what is, my pretty one? Did I go quietly back to my hacienda and cultivate sugar cane while a man becomes a dictator? Already he is living out his sicker. Man, speaking of a third, you speak of plan. I was not to stop when Diaz proclaimed his plan. There must be no re-election of El Presidente Mexico. Money, I need you now. I will need you even more to I'll be see a gentleman, a statesman. You, money. you will be the first lady of Mexico. You think you talk of love to me? You think this love? This, this is a bargain, a business. Arrange. I am to make you happy now and a gentleman later. And in return, we'll see that I live as a fine lady. You speak of compromise. This is the worst kind of compromise. I will not be part of it or your fine lady. I will not be the one. My little lunch, okay? Once, armed with just a knife and a rope, I climbed the tower of the convent of Santo Domingo to make help the escape of the greatest patriot in all Mexico. Now, I am ready to fight this same man. And what weapon do you choose to fight the greatest patriot in Mexico? I will use my bare hand. Bare hands are for baby. We will use something more noble. Am I to take this as a traitor's assault? Or is it something more personal? Escobar, success is not all things. Even you should take the pain to count the cost. Do I hear teeth chattering so soon? You hear whatever you want to hear, senor. You hear that. That I love Maria. I cannot stand by and watch her pitifully pawed by an old man. The mistaken belief he is making love to her. Do not falter, Chico. You chose to fight with me. Now, get ready. Jose, one. Alrighty. It's a lot of toxic masculinity. Well, it's a Western after all. I don't think there's any other kind of masculinity in a Western. All right. I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to make conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the would-be lover of Maria is dragged off for what is to be the fight with Escobar to save Maria from him. Or is this just meant to pad out the film? We don't know yet because that is the end of the second third of the movie. And we are now on our way to the exciting final third of the film. So then is now, Matt. Then is now. All right, good. Good. I'm I'm happy to know these things now. <laughs> yeah. Pausing just before the actual fight that's to come is probably the best way to go because this is the point of no return for all of the characters. This is where we move from the resolution of that guy falling in love and thinking that he's going to be this woman's champion. That lady kind of in love with the guy too, but not really. She just wants to be free and not have to marry Escobar. <laughs> Essentially, she doesn't know why she doesn't love him anymore other than he's a rebel and she wants to support the government, I think, but we're not sure because the voiceover seems different. So her mind is going to get swayed during the film, but the voiceover already told us that that's going to happen. I'm confused as to what's going on with all this. Listen, she's pro-government, all right? So you just leave her alone. She gets to do that. That's her decision. I mean, I'm going to try and show her why she's wrong in a you know healthy debate. I'm not going to force her to marry me and join me in my revolution. That's, yeah, that would be for the best. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him trying to persuade her. 
to join no, no, the no. revolution or to follow. Don't, don't make her marry you. That's yeah, that's yeah. wrong. It's when you take away someone's free will that you are no longer a freedom fighter. Yeah. <laughs> These are facts. <laughs> uh, brother. Let's just fucking run to the end. It's fine. Let's run it. All right. The run to the end of the movie starts with the would-be lover of Maria being stripped to the waist. There is dialogue about what's to happen. It's looking awfully kinky. And our next clip. Yeah, they're going to fight. Oh, Manuel Escobar. They're going to duel with the whip. Please, come. Atas! This then commences the whip fight, and that is something I have not seen before in a film. This was actually pretty excellent. They did a decent job. Both these guys clearly know how to use a whip because they do some neat tricks with the editing as well. But the guys are using actual whips at each other for several scenes where like, it looks like they could have hit each other. And it was a little, a little bit nerve wracking. Cause you're like, there's no budget here. Somebody could lose an eye. Yeah. A whip fight. That is just something else. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I start getting excited where I'm like, okay, this is where I get my, you know, five foot man eating chicken. Like it's not a ripoff. I actually see a five foot chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. Here's your five foot chicken. You, you, you won. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> the pair literally whip each other until Escobar takes the lover down to the ground with a barrage of attacks. He's clearly better with a whip, which is why he chose that. He's yeah. stacked the deck in his favor. He's still a very clearly bad guy, and this is a bit cowardice because he's obviously not going to let anybody actually beat him. This is kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's disgusting. The would-be hero coward. Gets... Go ahead. No, I'll just say coward. That's all. <laughs> The would-be hero gets to his feet and the battle commences where the pair whip it and they sure seem to whip it good until the would-be <laughs> hero is vanquished again and then he is unconscious. So Maria begs for the dude's life and Escobar pushes her away and it is clear he aims to whip that dude to death. Maria grabs a knife and threatens to kill herself for the boy and is stopped by the would-be cowboy. That leads to our 11th clip. <laughs> Toffee, for heaven's sake, Toffee, he will kill him. Stop, Escobar, had enough. Levantase. Can't you see she loved that boy enough to kill herself for him? There's no concern of yours, Senor Gringo. It is a matter of honor. Where I come from, we fight men. Here, we fight for a reason. What one can you give? What you do to that kid's reason enough for me. As you wish. This leads to a whip fight where the survivor cowboy dude faces off against Escobar, and this particular Dusty Bottoms happens to be like a fucking Zorro or some shit, and he ends up besting him until Escobar's men sweep in and stop him because he is a fucking coward, apparently. He is. Escobar gets a rifle. Most dictators are cowards. <laughs> Escobar gets a rifle and stops short of just executing the man because he has some morals now, apparently. He whispers to a lackey and then walks up to the would-be white savior guy now, and that is our penultimate clip. You are a brave man, senor. Sometimes a man can be blind to many things. You have thrown me in the dust before my own people. My cause needs me here. You may go, senor, and please see that they get back safe. Okay, after this, they cut to a wide <laughs> shot of the camp and Escobar and his henchmen discuss how he has changed and that the cause is more important with a voiceover that kind of explains it all, I suppose, in our final clip. You could have had the little senorita for your little wife. My faithful little chato. Do you think it is possible for a man even at my age to change? You know, I never thought I'd see it. But now, even for me, our cause is more important than my own selfishness. Come, mi general. Si, senor. 
Escobar's camp was in a constant state of alertness. He had informants everywhere. They kept him advised constantly of enemy movements. Through the efforts of men like these, it was destined that the Diaz regime would soon fall. Injuries and personal pride go unheeded when a battle is in the making. The battle that will bring equality that much closer for the Mexicano people. Get down, Maria. We will rest for a while. Here, let me do that. Jeff? Mm-hmm. Where were you brought up? On the road. The road? The road to Denver. Father ran a stopover house halfway between. Between? Between Big Sandy and Denver. Stage stop. In those days, it was mostly caravans. Covered wagon people headed for California. What was it like? What? Oh, the stopover house. Imagine it was pretty exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was real exciting. Did you have any brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Where are they now? Back there. With your parents? Yep. How long has it been? I mean, when did you see them last? When I was eight years old. I see. The little boy with Jeff Lawton's superiority was already a man and set out to conquer the Wild West. Well, not exactly. That was in 1864, and Black Kettle was still big chief of the Cheyenne and the Sioux. One day that August, my uncle took me and a boy who was off the flat for a fishing trip. We come back, we were loaded down, whooping and hollering. We got to the road, the stopover house stood out there in the plain, hollow looking and empty, nobody around. So my uncle told us boys to wait. He went on ahead. When he came back, took me off to one side and told me all my family was back there in the house, dead. Jeff, I don't know what to say. Nothing to say. It's 25 years ago, so here I am. If I'd known what trouble this school was going to cost me, I might have passed it up. You don't know. No, I guess I don't. Freeze. Get him up. Higher. Come on, get him up. See, Wesson? I told you if we watched him long enough, things would pay off. Now we got the gold and the girl. Keep him covered. I'll get the horses. Slade, I'll take the gold. Slade drags Maria off through the desert on foot with a bag of gold on him as Chapo and Escobar follow on horseback. Our white savior cowboy catches up to Slade and gets the drop on him with a flying leap to free Maria and disarm him all in one fell swoop. They have a bout of fisticuffs and Slade darts off with the gold and the white savior and Escobar's men pursue. Slade and the white savior have a real slobber knocker of a fight on some rock formations and Slade knocks him to a good one and he goes off the cliff and falls to his death as we all watch. Slade gets away with the gold and Maria talks about the tragedies of life while Slade is pursued by Chapo and his men for the gold now. Escobar catches up with Slade and that pair has a real slobber knocker of a fist fight and Escobar comes out on top to get the gold after beating Slade to a bloody pulp. He tosses the gun back to Slade, tells him to protect himself, and waits till he tries to get the shot off before shooting him dead. One of Escobar's men strips the fresh corpse and Escobar checks in on Maria with a speech that could have been a clip, but it's mostly just him saying he can't be with her anyway or something and asks her to go back to her father's hacienda or something. But she is in love with her kidnapper now, so what is that supposed to mean other than to pad out the runtime? Maria states after Escobar takes off that she did not really know him until now and he is so alone. Maria returns to the would-be lover and kidnapper and now Maria is into Escobar or something dumb like that. So they part with this promise to rescue her friend and rejoin Escobar himself. Now after all of this horse shit, she is actually in love with and wants to be with Escobar. With a voiceover, their revolution is hyped up and she is proud to be a part of it. They go riding off into the sunset and that leads to the fucking credits. 
that is a thing that we both witnessed. Yes, we we did in fact watch this. <laughs> this was a film that ran a little bit longer than an hour and had that story contained within it. Yes, and uh, and here we are. Now need, we sit. I, I need to say I have seen significantly worse low budget westerns from the '60s than this. Yeah, uh, listen, let's let's talk what we're going to talk about. The the whip fight was awesome. It, yeah, that was really fucking cool. I mean, as low budget as it was, it felt super dangerous and you kind of were worried. Like, not when they did the close-ups and you saw the ropes going around the actors or things like that, but like, the guys had some welts on them. I think they were actually getting hit with the whip doing that fight. Like, those guys were going for it, it looked like. That's how you sacrifice, Court. That's, I mean, do you want to make a movie or do you want to just be a bitch? And then they made a movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the whip fight is definitely the fucking highlight of the film. It's worth the price of the entry and definitely very cool. And it's one of those things where if you saw that, you would definitely be telling somebody else and then we'd be back there in the matinee with you just to see the whip fight. Like that's exactly be like, guys, there's a whip fight. And they're like, what the fuck? All right, let's buy a ticket. We got to go see the whip fight. (laughs) One dude fights two other dudes on different occasions with whips. It just fucking happens. Yeah. And most of the guys are shirtless and getting whipped. It's really kinky and weird. (laughs) You might not use that term kinky with your group of friends back then, though. I'm a, you might, they might beat you up for that. I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, it might have happened in the 90s to me too, but that wouldn't have stopped me from calling something kinky and weird. No, that's true. (laughs) It is. It's fucking kinky and weird. It's a shirtless man being. Whipped by another man who's like wearing like this vest with a gold chain cross. It's kinky and weird. Yeah, it's some. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely some undertones with that. Yeah, you make it me being whipped by a nun, and that's literally a fetish I have. <laughs> I mean, of course it's a fetish you have. <laughs> At this point, I'm well it's... aware of your nun fetishes. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad habit of mine. <laughs> ah, yeah, I've seen worse classic. westerns. I've I've definitely said yeah. that before. And after a little bit, the rough acting ends up becoming part of it and makes it feel like a more natural documentary-esque film. And then that's where the propaganda feeling really starts to set in. Probably about right about the halfway point is when that really sets in. And then by the time you get to the whip fight, like you realize you're actually pretty entertained by this film and you're having fun, even though it's clearly low budget and, you know, doesn't really do a lot with the gunshots or anything like that. And it's not like super exciting and crazy, but it's still a fun ride. And I wasn't bored for the entire hour. And like there was a couple times I got stuck watching it and forgot to take notes and had to back up and do it again. Like that's a good sign for a film. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. When you get lost in it because you're enjoying it, it it's definitely a good way to go about that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, while I accept the fact that, yeah, I probably was ripped off by buying Al Adamson films, at the same time, like I said, it's like a carnival ride where I'm having a good time. It doesn't matter that I just got ripped off for this film in this review. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I think we can wrap it up and maybe do a quick story time. We'll get it to about an hour, see what it cuts out to and forget it. And uh, there you go, man. My my review, my story time, I guess I'll have to find something, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to think of something going on. All right, so we're going to take a little break now. We're going to listen to Dave Dudley with the song Cowboy Boots. And when we come back, I'll have something for a story time.
You know, I can't tell Matt, but I think he's kind of making fun of Hollywood uh, cowboy types. What do you think? I believe that's probably what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I won't have something that matches this movie because I never fell in love with a revolutionary nor have I been kidnapped one. But I got to have something to come up with for our story time. <laughs> So I paid someone else to torture me for about six hours this week. Okay. You have my attention. <laughs> I got a new tattoo. It's not that big a deal. Uh, oh, 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 all right. I mean, that makes sense. I was like, all right, you have my attention. I don't know where you're operating those kind of businesses here in the heartland, but fuck you, man. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> All right, so I've been wanting a particular painting that Basil Gogos did of the Wolfman, like Lon Chaney's version of the Wolfman, for a very long time. And I wanted it specifically to be on my inner forearm, on my left arm, whenever I started that sleeve. Um, yeah. Life got in the way, monetarily speaking. It kicked me in the fucking junk, left its foot there, and kept grinding for a very, very long time. And so I'm, I'm still in the middle of that, so I hear you. <laughs> yeah, and so I've just now gotten to the point where I was able to save up to be able to afford the sleeve after I negotiated the cost of getting a tattoo sleeve done. So I got my appointments booked and everything like that. And that's when I got fired was right after I got that all booked up and saved up and ready to go mm -hmm. from my previous job. And um, what I ended up doing was scrounging my ass off. I mean, as soon as I got the notification that uh, we were being let go and that I was being downsized, I immediately went right to basically <laughs> career link and uh, LinkedIn and things like that and started posting that I was looking for work and like updated my resume and started posting for jobs at places and was like, you know, getting ready to try and get another job like that afternoon, you know, yeah. because I just, I, that was part of my trauma reaction to it. Yes. But then also I don't want to fuck around. I wanted to get this tattoo done and I wasn't going to let this thing that happened take that from me. And luckily I didn't. So yeah, that's something to definitely celebrate. So that's, I wanted to, Good frame job. um, the new job that I got, I got in time. Cause I told myself I have to have it by Thanksgiving or I'm going to have to start canceling these appointments. And my first one was January for this tattoo. Uh, I made it, I actually got there in time and, uh, you know, I got things leveled out enough and I wasn't, I didn't have to dip into that part of my savings or anything like that. And I was able to pay back, you know, the things that I needed to pay back in my savings and I'm, I'm kept myself on track so i kept the appointment and now here's the actual story for the tattoo itself uh i have a ritual for getting tattooed that i need to just let everybody know i watched the big lebowski the night before um i don't always finish it but i tend to like to fall asleep stoned watching the big lebowski before my tattoos why may you ask right yeah i'm i'm, I'm waiting for that explanation <laughs> okay so that's actually what the story is really about so the first time that i got tattooed from the artist that i am currently getting this sleeve done from he's done my right arm pretty much all my he did my whole right arm and he's going to be doing my whole left arm as well and we'll, we'll see how it goes from there on if he can still tolerate me and all of my weird ideas but the first tattoo that i got from him what he used to do in, in lieu of sort of socializing was he would play a movie and he would do the tattoo and he would still talk and chat a little bit but you would mostly be watching the movie to sort of like keep you busy and keep you entertained while you're being tortured for five to eight hours depending upon how long you sit in the chair and i can tolerate it so i would literally book him for an entire day whatever it 
was that he wanted to charge for a rate for an entire day. And I would get eight plus hours of tattooing done. And that's how I got my right arm done. Now, this gentleman is a professional. He's been doing this for even more years later. So now his block of time is you basically book a day and you get about six hours or so. It's still a very reasonable rate for that time. And uh, that's basically about as much time as it takes to do an intricate portrait tattoo. But when he's doing my first one, which took about six hours, give or take, and that's what we kind of booked it for, the first movie that he played was The Big Lebowski. And oh, nice. we bonded over me being tortured, getting my bub tattoo, watching The Big Lebowski, quoting it and talking about how much we loved the film back and forth between me and my tattoo artist. And midway through The Big Lebowski, about the time that he and I are both screaming, you see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass to the movie oh, while yeah. I'm being tattooed, I stopped, looked down at the work that he was doing, and then said, hey, you want to do a whole sleeve of this kind of shit? And he went, yes. (laughs) And so that's kind of how this, you know, client tattoo artist relationship began. And from the Big Lebowski. But the thing is, every time that I was booking a tattoo, I kept getting the urge to watch the Big Lebowski because that that moment of like when I decided, no, I'm going to do a whole sleeve. I'm not going to just do this bub tattoo. This is turning out way better than I thought, you know, is is what popped into my head. So that's the moment that I realized that I'm going to go whole hog tattoos. Like I'm going to go insane, you know, (laughs) right, right then and there. And so the Big Lebowski represents that to me. So when I'm watching it again, I get to, I try to get to at least that part so that I'm like, the next one's coming because that moment is there. It's locked into my brain of watching the film with him while I'm being tattooed. And I just, that I'm going to go whole hog and just cover everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if there was any room left on your arms to get a tattoo. So I'm surprised by that. <laughs> no, my whole left arm is completely bare, dude. My right arm is covered, yes. But I never That's right. actually I never actually got to start the sleeve because we bought a house when I finished my right arm sleeve. And, That's right, yeah. And then the market tanked, the values went right through the fucking gutter. Things were really, really kind of difficult for us for a very long time. We had plumbing issues that like put us into deeper debt and just all sorts of shit happened that I am just now starting to shake the dirt that they are throwing off me, trying to bury me off my back and stamp it down to build up a ramp to get me out of the hole. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just yeah. now there. Yeah. You of all people know exactly. What I, I'm talking uh, about. Trust me. I know exactly what uh, how you feel right now. Yeah. So, I mean, celebrating that with a tattoo meant so much more while I'm sitting there in the chair and it's it was 14 years before I got to actually go back and start on my left arm my sleeve that's it's taken me that fucking long that's how bad it got for me at certain points to where I couldn't even either muster emotionally speaking spending the money on getting more tattoos done or even just be able to justify the ability to be able to do that luxury for myself and now I'm just at the point where I can do it and I'm sitting down with my artist, we start up again and it's like those 14 years never even happened. It's like we finished the right arm and we're right back to it. It's just same kind of BSing back and forth, just getting along, having a good time, spending six hours of me being tortured and him torturing me and me coming away with an amazing fucking tattoo. <laughs> there you go. It's posted all over Facebook if everybody wanted to see it or, or what have you. And there there we fucking go. We don't have to pad out the episode anymore. And uh, if you can't come up with a story time, I think I might have something that we'll be able to do next week as well. 
well. So there we go. Sounds good. All right. So let's go ahead. We're going to play the show housekeeping here. And on the Pirate Radio Edit, immediately after that, we're going to close out the show with Furley Fairborn and the song, I Guess I'm Crazy for Loving You, right after this. If you've decided you can't get enough of the show and would like to check out more of it, we're available at legionpodcast.com. Just do a quick search for Cinema PsyOps or just enter this entire URL into your browser, www.legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. Also available along with all of the fellow Legionnaires on the Legion Discord chat. And now let's give you a rundown of the memes and how you're going to get them through Cinema PsyOps. The easiest place to go is to subscribe to our Instagram feed, which is our main meme repository at cinema underscore psyops or you could also follow the facebook page of cinema psyops because they are immediately posted there after they get posted to the instagram repository and you can also check out the facebook group of cinema psyops and the memes are shared there i am available on facebook as court psyops because the memes are also shared there as well thanks for listening to the show i still can't believe that you're subscribed to us or here every week just like us fit sort of the plot line of that film way more than I intended it to. (laughs) Damn. Man, I just, I don't even know what to fucking do with that. If you're feeling that kind of obsession where you don't care if they don't want you, you're theirs anyhow, man, get yourself some fucking help and then kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. (laughs) While you enjoy Tom Waits with the song Going Out West on the Pirate Radio Yeah, 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 yeah.
Just that it's destroying my bloodshed boner, okay? Your bloodshed boner lasts more than I rented out my womb. I rented out my womb. No, I get to deal those out of you. Watching ladies cut dudes into shreds is a thing I'm into. You're a loser. 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 Okay. Who's been reading my diary? This guy, because he just keeps reading out the same entry over and over again. It's fucking creepy. Uh, you're a loser. You're I know. A loser. You're a loser. You're a loser. You're a loser. You're a loser. No, you're a I loser. get to deal those out of you. Interesting entry right there in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah, right? All right. Well, I already started recording uh, awaiting your arrival, and I've yep, already been I saw some, that. I already have been some hitting some shit already, so uh, I'm kind of ready to rock and or roll if you are. Um, I'm ready to go. All right. I am up first in our full franchise fest of this ill-advised, I should not have bought this box set, Alamson. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. What, I mean, did you just pass by it and say, fuck it? Uh, I liked the cover. Okay. All right. You know, I can't, I, uh, whatever, but uh, the fuck, man. <laughs> well, welcome to the rest of year nine, my dude. It's, I mean, it's hey, listen, I'm just going to say this. Yours review, if it if that show lasts more than 30 minutes, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> what we're doing here, killing time. That's how it's going to yeah, last more than 30 minutes. Exactly. Because it was like an hour long. I didn't know what the fuck. Yeah. Well, and I cut down all the fucking clips, too, so we'll, we'll see what it ends. It just, it is what it is. Whatever. Let's just fucking do it. It is what it is, man. A lot of shows are like 30 minutes. <laughs> Here we go. Then it says like it's like. And also kidnapping and, uh, and, and that is not love. <laughs> then on the screen. And it I find up. it weird. I have to say that. You done interrupting me now? I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to be involved in the show. <laughs> I know. You just keep cutting me off, Mr. ADD. <laughs> well, fuck. I got things to say. <laughs> I just I don't even know what to fucking do with that. If you're feeling that kind of obsession where you don't care if they don't want you, you're theirs anyhow. Man, get yourself some fucking help and then kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. <laughs> While you enjoy Tom Waits with the song "Going Out West" on the Pirate Radio A. Oh man, I had to make it make it weird by including Tom Waits. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, break time, and then we'll move on to the next one right after this. Sounds good. Recording stopped. <laughs>